Hi, I'm Rachel Monteleone and welcome to Kittypedia, the podcast. I'm not an expert. However, I do speak with them with the view of providing you with expert information and advice to help you be the best parent that you can be. Together, let's give children the life they deserve and a positive future. Hello and welcome. Well, they say never to work with animals and children. So naturally, today's interview is about both. You know, anyone that's had a pet in their life knows how much love and joy they bring. You know, and when you think about it, there are very few things in the world as perfect as the two. So naturally, the two belong together. Of course, the benefits of children growing up with pets are widely documented with a wide range of benefits. So to help discuss what some of those are, we welcome our special guest, First Nations people, Indigenous entrepreneur and father, Morgan Coleman. Now, Morgan is the CEO and founder of a startup app, Vets on Call, an app um, that brings the vet to your home, making it stress-free for pets and their owners to receive quality vet care. And I'm really honoured to have you here today. And thanks so much for your time, Morgan. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you very much for having me. Morgan, Like you're no stranger to over- overcoming adversities and succeeding. Uh, you're a very inspirational man. Um, as an example, for anyone watching and listening, you were the finalist in the Seven News Young Achiever Award in 2020, an earnest and young Indigenous Entrepreneur Achiever of the Year Award in 2019. So congratulations. They are incredible achievements. Um, Thank you very much. And today's chat is to cover uh, a lot of key topics from from the benefits of children growing up with pets to how in your life so far you've overcome so many adversities um, and just to be able to sort of tap into, I guess, some of your inspirational stories and for us to be able to sort of, yeah, understand how how you've done it for anyone that uh, I, I guess is, is always wanting to achieve something in their life. We can always learn from others. So to begin with, I'd love to delve into your expertise on how important pets can be, of course, for the emotional development of children. Now, you've mentioned in my research that your childhood pets taught you some really important lessons that you still carry with you today. So I'd love to know initially, now, what are some of those lessons? Well, I think firstly, um, so I grew up on a farm and we, all the kids had their own group of animals that we had to look after and mine at the time was um, chickens and goats and one of the things that I was told and taught very early was responsibility Um, so me looking after these animals it really did teach me a sense of responsibility even from as young as seven and eight years of age those animals ate before I ate and what was really instilled into me was that these animals are here for us to look after Um, and I think that that then starts to permeate across other parts of your your life as you get older, that sense of responsibility you had for something that was dependent on you and the yes. outcome of their their health and their well-being was dependent on you. Um, it starts to sort of, like I said, permeate across different parts of your life. Like if you want to go and, I don't know, become an AFL footballer or if you want to um, become a, an amazing artist or something like that, the outcome is still very much on you. So it did teach me quite a lot of responsibility. One of the things that I also think that it taught me, and you know, even before we moved out to our farm, we had animals, we had pets. And I see it now in my son, and I, I realize that this is 
where I got this from. And it's a sense of, it, ta- it taught me empathy. Um, you know, even before I could walk and talk, being engaging with animals and seeing their, you know, their sentient beings and seeing the emotions that they have and being able to connect with them the way that we do um, from a really young age taught me about empathy around other people as well. Um, and that's something that I certainly carry with me today. Yeah. And I think also, you know, oh, sorry. Why not continue on, continue on? Oh, no, yeah, great, great. Um, and I think also furthermore, you know, that, that emotional, sorry, the EQ, emotional intelligence that that brings, it really does help once they start to go and socialise with other people as well. So I'm seeing that now in my son who's, you know, been a decade now for about 12 months and he is by far the most social person <laughs> there in the room. And I think, you know, partly that is certainly his um, personality, but it's also because, you know, Milky was here the day we brought him home from the hospital. So literally from the day he's been in our house, um, a few days after he was born, he's been growing up with Milky and watching the way that he was with Milky prior to him going to daycare, I think really shows um, the benefit in terms of their social, social skills development. Yeah, no doubt there is a really special kind of magic, I think, that happens when children are in the presence of animals, as you just described. Um, And, I mean, could you maybe just elaborate a little bit more on what you think those benefits are and and anything that you remember also from your childhood on that? Yeah, look, I think um, so one of the things actually that research has shown us, and when I read this research, it just made so much sense, and that is that a lot of the time our pets Um, are our connection to nature. So I think that in the world that we live in now, it's heavily urbanised. And I was saying to a friend the other day that I could go a week or two weeks without actually touching nature, without my dog. And what our pets actually do, um, and the research shows, is it's actually our connection back to nature, which is where, you know, we really need to to be. And so in terms of the the well-being benefits of pet ownership, it extends so much more than just, you know, an excuse to exercise and keeping you more active um, and having a companion. It's actually been shown that it's the um, psychological benefit of having that pet is because it's stemming you back to nature. So I think like I look at that now and, you know, when I go out um, to my, my parents' farm and or out into the forest for a walk or wherever it is, that connection that I feel with nature I'm able to take home with my dog. Um, and that's just, it's, science is showing that that is just so beneficial for people and also children, as, of course. I just wanted to elaborate on that a little bit more. How do you mean you take that home with your dog? Can you just expand on that a little bit for me? Yeah, so what I mean by that is if I didn't have Milky at home with me, um, you know, I would have to actually go out into nature and have that connection. Whereas what the research is showing is that because we've got those those pets at home, it's our connection back to nature. Um, and so by having her in my house, I've almost got nature in my home with me. Gotcha. And, you know, as you just explained earlier, of course, animals and pets help cultivate um, empathy and just respect for all living things. And, of course, having a pet, you know, in the family, um, as many of us have um, growing up as well, um, it does create really meaningful encounters, encounters not only amplified by, you know, the fertile ground that helps to shape a child's sense of self, 
um, responsibility and just respect for all living things. Um, I've, thankfully, I've, I've noticed actually over, and it was I think a news bulletin just a couple of days ago that um, we're just talking about the Australian pounds have seen a record spike in pet adoptions during COVID uh, last year and, and it sort of flowed into to this year in 2021 uh, and in particular the rates of um, dog adoptions have increased. So what are your thoughts on that? I think it's great. I'm uh, I'm a huge proponent of rescuing. In fact, I rescued Milky when she was oh, very, very young. Um, <laughs> and look, I think, yeah, I want as many people to have pets as, as possible um, because I do yes. really believe in the benefits. In saying that, it needs to be something that you're aware of the responsibilities because, um, you know, I, I never want to see an animal that is neglected or, for you know, um, that somebody isn't quite aware of the kind of responsibility that's required. So, um, but in saying that, you know, I think I was really, really pleased with seeing the spike in adoption rates. Um, and in some instances, like with the wait lists for adoption through some foster places were crazy long. They were like 12 months or something like that, which it just brings a smile on my face. I love that people are looking at that as a way to give, you know, someone that hasn't got a home a home and a loving yeah. one. Now, on that, I just wanted to acknowledge um, we published your article and the title is The Benefits of Children Growing Up With Pets. Now, for someone who hasn't read the article yet, can you please tell us what it's about and, of course, just what inspired you to write it? Yeah, well, it's about obviously the benefits for children growing up with pets and I wrote it because I've, my son's almost two and I've just watched how his relationship with my dog has blossomed um, and how much she just loves him as well. Like it really warms my heart. Um, and I want that for other children too. And so I think that there's a few misconceptions in the um, out there about like children and pets. And, you know, I've heard horror stories of people uh, rehoming dogs or something after they've had a child and it's just not necessary. Um, and in fact, it's better for your child if they stay. And so I wrote the article just to sort of shed some light on some of those those benefits so that, you know, hopefully it helps somebody down the track. No doubt it will. So in your mind then, you know, how beneficial are animals uh, to the emotional development of children? Yeah, overall, what are your thoughts? Well, I think overall very, very important because furthermore than further to the um, reasons I've just given, you know, in terms of helping them develop from an emotional um, capacity and cognitive capacity even, um, the, the owning a pet actually helps them learn about death and the circle of life and those sorts of things. But that also helps them in terms of grieving and loss, um, having that companion that, you know, can't necessarily talk back but is always there for a cuddle and, um, you know, is an incredibly emotional being itself. Uh, like I've watched that. Exactly, that unconditional love. And I've watched it with my wife and um, my son when they've had bad days and Milky comes up and gives them a cuddle and she's almost like their shoulder to cry on when they need it. And, you know, having that companion for a child and and, and a safe person to, like, talk to or a safe thing to talk to, yeah. um, you know, that's incredibly beneficial. Now, in your article, you, you list your top five benefits for children who have a pet. I just wondered if you could quickly go through some of those with us now. Yeah, so I have covered a few of them already, but uh, I'll I'll go through them. So having a pet um, 
actually encourages more exercise. So it means that your children are getting more active, probably yourself as well. Um, and there's a lot of benefits, obviously, from not only a physio physiological point of view, but from a mental um, point of view as well with being more active. But they do create a better, sorry, they help create um, social and emotional maturity uh, within with by building the relationships that they have with their pets. Um, as I mentioned, that it does help them learn about death um, and coping with death, um, but it also, you know, helps them with grief in other kinds of, of uh, situations that may pop up in their life. Mm -hmm. um, and it also, like I said, it builds connection with nature that I spoke about the benefits of that previously. And then lastly, and um, I didn't actually mention this one in the in the article, but it actually has been shown that children that grow up with pets have a higher or a stronger immune system. So um, Milky bringing in some pathogens from from the her walk isn't necessarily a bad thing. It actually helps children grow stronger. Love it. And you referenced a study earlier. I'm not sure if this is the same one, but I understand in a recent longitude study suggested that children who um, grow up with their pets are less likely to face behavioural difficulties or problems with their peers. Um, can you maybe expand on that? And is there anything else in that study that we should um, that we should know about really? Yeah, so I, well, I think this is my interpretation of this study. Um, so with that, having having children that, one, have the responsibility so there's a responsibility of looking after the pet, but there's also the expectations of the behaviour for the pet as well. So by them, you know, knowing where they can and can't sit or, you know, to go outside to go to the bathroom and things mm -hmm. like that, it actually helps to create those same sort of expectations for the child. Not necessarily that they have to go outside for the bathroom, but there's behaviour, um, there's behavioural expectations that, the child then starts to adhere to and they can see the example within their pet. Yeah. And I understand the study also mentioned that children are also more likely to display pro-social behaviour, such as sharing and cooperating with others if they have uh, a pet as well. So what's been your experience and your observation of this also? Well, I see that in my son, um, whose name is Kai and Melky. Um Comparative to a friend of ours whose son is not growing up with a pet, um, Kai shares his food with her, for example, uh, which we don't really encourage because obviously it's helping Milky put on weight. But that kind of even shares his toys with her. He plays with her. So having that that person at home, because he doesn't have a sibling uh, yet, um, he's able to start building that kind of, okay, well, you know, this toy is not just mine. This is our toy and we play with this together and this food is not just mine. This is our food and I'll give you some even though I've been told not to. <laughs> so it's really starting to build out that um, that awareness that, you know, not everything is to be yours and yours only. And that really, once he goes to daycare, obviously that really helps out with his uh, social interactions. Mm. Now. I just um, wanted to just sort of lead into, um, I guess, just your upbringing as well. I mean, as a Torres Strait Islander, I, I understand that you experienced lots of challenges growing up Indigenous. Um, I'd just love if you can and if you're happy to share about some of those challenges that you faced because um, I've read that you would like to be an example to other Indigenous kids and your son in particular. 
um, that business and entrepreneurism is absolutely something that they can pursue. So I'd love for you just to expand on that if you could. Absolutely. I think when I think about this, when I start, when I decided that I was going to start my own business, it's because I was in a job that I really didn't feel empowered. I felt like I wasn't the person that was in charge of my destiny. And that really didn't sit well with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I made the decision that day that I'm going to, I'm going to take charge of this. And I, and the way that I saw forward for that was through business and through entrepreneurship. But if I go back to when I was a child, all the children, all the Indigenous people I saw succeeding, they were all sports people. And so when it came time for me to set my path for my career and where I thought that I would get success, it was really limited. I thought that if I wasn't going to be a sports star, then I just wouldn't be successful. And that was a pretty terrifying. So the only successful Indigenous people you could see growing up were those in sporting professions. Is that right? Yeah. And I mean, I can still name them. I like, they're still slightly my heroes and I've met a couple of them ever since, but um, you know, like Michael Long, Nikki Winmar, Kathy Freeman, you know, but you didn't see indigenous people, you know, as politicians or, you know, if I walked into the local bank, I didn't see anyone, you know, working as a bank teller or an accountant or anything like that. And even in my school, um, and I did grow up in a very, um, it wasn't a very multicultural town at all. In fact, I think at the time it was second least multicultural town, but, you know, none of my teachers were Indigenous. Um, And that, when you start thinking about, okay, well, where can I really go? Um, You're looking for reference points and reference Mm -hmm. points for people that you connect with and that you relate to. Um, And I just didn't see that outside the sporting, sporting realm. And so, like I said, it was quite terrifying thinking, okay, well, I know I'm not going to be an AFL footballer. Like I know I'm not going to be a professional sportsman. Where where could I succeed? And it did take me a while to um, to get to where I am now, obviously, and that realisation that business was for me. But I think there's so many opportunities. There's so many, there's an abundance of opportunities for Indigenous people to succeed outside of sport. And I want to be an example as to the things that we can do um, if we put our mind to it. It's really interesting to see how people's life purpose, uh, I, in my own personal experience, when an idea drops and you know when it feels right within you that that's what you're meant to do. Um, so what I'm seeing and hearing from what you're, from what you're telling us, that, that having animals in your life from a young age really helps shape uh, your sense of empathy, your sense of responsibility, your work ethic, um, into your adulthood, which would I be right to say really helped form, well, that was how you sort of, I guess, shaped your sense of purpose and then how you've gone and then launched your business as well? I don't know. Absolutely. I mean, I think if you look at what we're doing from a vet perspective, so the vet industry in itself has the highest suicide rate of any profession in Australia. Vets. And it's also got, yep, vets Thank have the you. highest suicide rate. Nope. That is... That's the truth. And since I've started this business, like we, I've known several vets that have sadly taken their lives. Um, it's got one of the highest churn rates of any industry. So people that go and get um, qualified, they start working and four or five years later, they don't want anything to do with the industry. And that's because, in my opinion, of very rigid, um, the very rigid way that traditional clinics operate. And so... When we started, it was like, we're going to do things differently. 
obviously in terms of the way we deliver our services, that's pretty obvious. But furthermore, like we were one of the first to bring in a counselling program for our vets. Um, we, the way that we work is so that vets don't do overtime, um, you know, and they certainly don't do unpaid overtime. But in terms of their workload, it's drastically reduced by the way that we're able to keep our costs low as a business um, but and see less clients and still make a really good margin and a, and a great business. But it means that we're able to look after our vets even more. Um, and one of the things that we brought in uh, late last year was that our vets have the opportunity to get across other parts of our business. We're a really dynamic, fast-growing business, so there's a lot of opportunities to get involved in other parts of the business, whether it's marketing or um, education with our staff or even logistics, operations. And so we provide that opportunity to our vets because what we see is that um, a lot of vets get to the point where they feel trapped. They're highly qualified and highly specialised for one job. And they get to the point where they don't want to do that anymore, but they don't necessarily feel like there's a way out for them. And so what we're doing is we're upskilling them in other parts of our business so that if they want to move into something different, there's the opportunity for them to do that um, outside of awesome. their clinical work. Congratulations, mate. That's sensational. So overall then, so how does Vets on Call help time poor parents as well? I mean, how, how can we integrate that into our lives and people with pets? How does that help? Well, Vets on Call is a full-service veterinary provider. So we do everything that a typical clinic does with just the vast majority of our services provided in home. So the only things we won't do in the house are x-rays, ultrasounds, and surgery um, for obvious reasons. But what it means is that you can work around, you can work your veterinary appointments around your life. So we have availabilities from 6 a.m. till 10 p.m. at night. Um, and we take our bookings on the hour. So it means that if four o'clock you're home with the kids and that's when it's convenient for you to get a vet, that's when you can have a vet. Or if it's first thing in the morning before you leave for work, it means that the, the vet services are worked around your life as opposed to the other way around. And you're actually getting a better healthcare outcome for the pets because we're removing the stress from the situation, which means that we can get a clearer diagnosis. So really from my perspective, and I'm obviously very biased, it's... It's a win-win-win. Yeah. So in that instance, it wouldn't necessarily help with after-hours emergencies. Like, for example, I've got two dogs. They're my life. My eldest dog, Johnny, a few weeks ago, it was horrific. He was choking um, on something that he's eaten a million times before. But just as he's getting older, he's 12 years old now. Uh, it, just, it just lodged. And, we, you know, we had an RSPCA help book in our top drawer, um, which I always have there um, for things like this. Um and but of course that there wasn't going to be enough to save him we put him into the car and started to drive him to a 24-hour vet it dislodged and he was able to breathe but it was the most distressing thing I've, I've ever experienced in my life but so with emergencies like that you're saying that vets on call is um as you mentioned before from 6 a.m to 10 p.m but then after hour services we still would still go to like a, a, a 24-hour service is that right yeah, and the reason for that is, you know, we need to be realistic and um, we do what is always in the best interest of the pet. Like I can't tell you how many bookings we've turned down because I'm saying you need to get to an emergency clinic now um, and, you know, we can't feasibly service you and I'd just be wasting not only your precious time, particularly if it's in a, an urgent situation, but I'd be wasting your money and that's not something that we're, we're 
we're willing to do. Mm. But Vets on Call, in terms of the, the amount of hours that we offer, that's really for the convenience of our client. You know, if because a lot of our clients are busy um, working families or busy professionals that might not get home till 6 p.m. And so having a vet come at 7 p.m. is the perfect solution. And that's what we offer with Vets on Call. Okay, so this is more sort of proactive healthcare for your pets, I would say. So, like, typically, what, what are the types of things that you sort of go out and, and see families? Uh, and what to give an indication, everyone, anyone watching and listening, okay, that's what I could sort of have you guys come and have a look at my pet about, as an example. I don't know. Yeah, anything that's not an emergency, we do. So, you know, if they're struggling to breathe, they need to go to an emergency clinic. If they've been hit by a car, they need to go to an emergency clinic or if they've eaten rat bait or something like that, that really needs to be seen right then and there um, with a lot of um, all the sort of, I guess, like life-saving equipment, sort of like ventilators and things like that. But we do everything from obviously general checkups, vaccinations, ear, eye, skin conditions, um, lameness. We've got all the diagnostics that we can look at. So we do blood tests, um, cytology, all those sorts of things. We do that in home. Um, and if we need to do further workup, like an X-ray on ultrasound, we'll do that at one of our clinics as well. So, like, as an example, we did, we did two knee, knee reconstructions for um, two Huskies last week. Um, we're home. doing a – no, no, so we had to took that to our, our clinic. So we did – but we diagnosed all that stuff in home and then it's like, okay – we're never going to take you to our clinic um, to do these reconstructions. Cool. But what that means for the pet is that the only time they ever set foot in a clinic is if they're going under an anaesthetic, and that's a very, very good outcome for the pet. Yeah. So overall then, so, I mean, families can access um, Vets on Call. Is it just in Victoria? Are you likely to expand interstate at all? We're actually in the process of expanding. So we're entering into Brisbane in about two weeks. Um, and shortly after that, we'll start moving into Sydney and some of the other capital cities across Australia. Well, congratulations on your business. Um, no doubt it's going to continue to grow. Um, and with, I mean, with with the, the view of being able to help families um, and, and children and their pets overall, so well done. Um, if anyone watching and listening, I guess, was to walk away with some key messages from what we've discussed today, what would they be? Well, I think the benefits of of a child growing up with a pet um, that there's numerous and there's no reason to not have a pet in the family and there's certainly no reason to get rid of a pet if you're starting a family um, but also you know that being a working parent and or a working professional it doesn't mean that you can't access the best veterinary care um, at a time that suits you in your home. Awesome we'll have all of your handles and um, sort of contact details in the show notes uh, along with the article. Morgan, I've, I've really loved chatting with you today. Congratulations on all your success and achievements. And uh, I'm sure many of us will be watching from the sidelines as you continue to grow. But thank you so much for your time today. Take care. Thank you. Right, bye. I'm Rachel Monteleone and you've been listening to Kittypedia, the podcast. You can have full access to Kittypedia by visiting our website at kittypedia.com.au or following us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and YouTube. We're all here to help make the world a better place for our children and for generations to come. You can start today by helping us reach other parents by going to Apple Podcast, subscribe, rate and review this podcast. 
thank you for listening and be sure to give my love to the kids.